your Bible, take, take it and turn with me, if you will, tonight to the book of Exodus, chapter number 33. Exodus chapter 33, and when you find your place, if you'll stand with me, we'll honor the reading of God's Word tonight. Exodus chapter number 33, beginning with verse number 1. Exodus chapter 33, beginning with verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence. Thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, Ye are a stiff-necked people. I will come up in the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of, uh, of their ornaments at Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood, every man in his tent door, and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillars stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not... Out of the tabernacle. Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee. And I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it, be, uh, shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight. And I know thee by name. Would you pray with me this evening? Father, we're so thankful for another opportunity that you have uh, allowed us to come to your house, Lord, to sing praises to your name and to worship you. But, Lord, uh, for the opportunity that we have to come and to hear the preaching of your word. And, God, I pray tonight as your servant that you might empty me of myself this evening. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you help me as I preach, God, that I would preach what thus saith the Lord Lord, not, not what I say, not, not what I think, but what the Bible says. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit might have free reign. God, I pray if there's someone in our midst that does not know you as their Lord and their Savior, I ask that the Holy Spirit might convict them of their sin, of, of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and of the judgment that is due them, Lord, if they do not repent 
And I pray that they might get their heart right, that they might be saved. Maybe there's someone in our midst tonight, dear God, that there's some area in their life that they need to get right. Maybe there's someone that you're working on their heart uh, concerning a call to the ministry. Or, Lord, maybe there's someone you're just working on their heart about uh, about uh, what, what you want them to do uh, concerning missions or concerning, uh, uh, Lord, just being a faithful servant here in your house. And, God, whatever the need might be, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. And, Lord, that if the Holy Spirit would speak, that we would be willing to... Uh, submit to the wooing of the Holy Spirit, and Lord, that we would surrender our will to your will. Now, God, please help me as I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me this evening. If you study uh, Israel's history, and I've, I've actually uh, uh, studied it uh, for uh, a, a couple times. I preached a series on the children of Israel uh, shortly after we arrived in Australia. But if you study Israel's history, I'll tell you, they're an intriguing people. Uh, they kind of remind me a lot of myself many times because you find the children of Israel obeying God and doing what God says and serving God. And they're a very happy people when they're doing that. But then you find they decide uh, somewhere down the line uh, they want to serve themselves. They want to do what they want to do. They want to please themselves. And then you find they're an unhappy people. And boy, as I look at my life, I find the same thing as a child of God. When I'm serving God and I'm doing what God wants and I'm obedient to God, uh, man, I'm happy and, and things are going great. But when I'm not, man, it just seems like nothing's going right. And Lord, I, I don't know why. I don't know why this is happening in my life. And and I don't know why I'm not happy like I once was. And and then I get looking and I say, oh, it's because I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And and certainly the children of Israel, uh, they would get away from God and then they would repent and get right with God. And you know what I find about our, our God? He's such a loving God that every time Israel would repent, every time we repent and get right with God, you know what? There's never been a time in my life, there's never a time recorded ever in the Bible that I can find where God says, no, I will not forgive you. No, you know what God does? He forgives us. And he's a God of a second chance and a third chance. And I'm thankful for that. But, but Israel, uh, I, I, won't, I won't give you the entire history of Israel up to this point. But just to give us a little background to find out where we're at in chapter 33, Israel has, has uh, come out of Egyptian bondage. Uh, God, God called Moses in chapter number 1 uh, to, to be the leader and to get his people. God, God heard they cried by reason of their affliction. God heard them and, and he sent Moses to be their leader. And of course you go and you read. Uh, up through chap- chapter number 12 about the plagues that God uh, put up on Egypt. And God brings them in chapter 12 out of Egyptian bondage. And, and uh, boy, it's, it's, it's great to read about how, the, how the, they trusted God and, and God parted the Red Sea for them. And, and, and man, God does things for them time and time again. God supplies their needs and God gives to them. And we come to chapter 17 and we find the children of Israel at Rephidim. We find there that they have no water. And they begin to complain to Moses. And they begin to, to the Bible says, chide with Moses. And, and they, they say something like this. Moses, have you brought us out here into this wilderness to die? I mean, man, if we were better off. It would have been better off if we had just stayed in Egypt. And, and I don't know how many times as you read and you study the children of Israel, they'll make comments like that. Man, life was so much better in Egypt. And every time I read that, I want to say, was it really that much better in Egypt? Did you really have a good time in Egypt? As I recall, you cried out to God by reason of your affliction. But, but the children of Israel, they, 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 they complained to Moses. But you know what? Despite their complaining, God still gives them water out of a rock. 
And then you go on and you continue reading in chapter 17. I believe it's around verse 5 or 6. You find that, that Amalek comes up from behind and, and, and like a coward, he, he decides to attack Israel from behind. And there's a great story there. Uh, Joshua and the, and, and the, the armies of Israel are fighting, uh, with, with Amalek and Moses is up on, on the, on the, uh, mountaintop or on the hillside there and he's, he's watching it and he's got his arms with the rod of God in his hand and so long as he's got the rod of God held up, then Israel prevails. But whenever his arms grow tired and they grow weary, then Amalek prevails. And boy, what a great... I mean, you could preach an entire message there about getting behind the man of God and, and everything. We won't do that tonight. But I'll tell you, uh, it is important that, 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 that men of God get behind the man of God, get behind the, the, the leader and say, Hey, preacher, you know what? So long as you're serving God, so long as you're doing right... We want to serve God and we're going to get behind you and, and, and we, we want to do what's right. And boy, uh, what, what a blessing it is uh, to see churches when a man of God is, is doing what's right and he's leading and, 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 and God's people are following and, and behind their pastor. And uh, again, we won't preach that message, but it's a great story. But then you come to chapter 19. God says, Moses, I want you to bring the children of Israel down to the bottom of Mount Sinai and I'm going to give them the law. And God begins to speak in an audible voice to, to the children of Israel. And He begins to give them in chapter 20 what we call the Ten Commandments or the Law of God. And things like this. Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath. Uh, God says uh, things like this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And on and on uh, with the list of the, of the commandments that God gives to Israel. And when God is done speaking with Israel, man, they're afraid. They just heard the audible voice of God and they said, hey, Moses, you go talk to God, all right? From now on, you talk to God. And, and in, you come to chapter number 24, and they say this in verse number 3. All that the Lord says, we're going to do it. But you go talk to God. We, 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 we don't, we don't want to hear, hear the voice audibly again. Boy, that was scary. And they say again in verse 7, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. So here's, if I understand correctly, Israel is willing to comply and do whatever God says to do. And God says what? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any of the any graven image. We just went over those. So now we come to chapter number 32. And Moses is up on the mountain. And Aaron's down with the people. Moses is talking to God. Whatever God says, Moses, we're going to do it. Not, it's been 40 days and 40 nights later. Moses is up in the mountain talking to God. And the people come to Aaron and they say, Hey! Aaron, you need to get up and you need to make us some gods. I mean, we don't know what, we don't know what's happened to Moses. Uh, yeah, you do. You sent him up to the mountain to talk to God for you. You sent him up to the mountain because you didn't want to hear from God personally. And, and so they said, get up. And, and I'd like to think, boy, I, I wish the Bible read like this, that Aaron said, not on your life. I'm not going to do anything like that. But that's not what Aaron said, is it? No, Aaron said, you need to bring me all your jewelry, bring me the, your earrings. And, and they, they bring all their, their gold and silver to him. And he takes and he throws it in this fire and out comes this golden calf. Or at least that's how Aaron tells the story. But we know that that's not how God tells the story. You know what God says? God says that Aaron took a graving tool and he fashioned uh, this golden calf. And then, boy, I, I mean, that story, you go and you read it, chapter 32, and I'm telling you, it's one of the most bizarre stories I've ever heard in my life. Uh, he, he sits there and, and, and he makes his golden calf. And then he makes this statement to the children of Israel. He says, 
These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And I read, every time I read that, I think to myself, is this real? Is this happening? Is, is Aaron really saying this? Uh, the man of God, is he saying that uh, this golden calf, this false dumb idol, this thing that, that is an image of something in the earth, and God just said, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of anything that is in heaven above, or uh, the likeness of anything in earth beneath. And it kind of looks like something on the earth. It kind of looks like a cow, it, a little calf. And, 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 uh, and here they are worshiping this thing. And then if that's not bad enough, Aaron would go on and he would say this. He would say, tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. And in my King James Bible, the word Lord is all capital letters, which means this, Jehovah God. And I think to myself, that is the craziest thing I've ever read in my life. Uh, these are the gods that brought us out of, uh, out of Egypt. And then, oh, by the way, tomorrow we're going to have a feast to Jehovah. It's crazy. And all this time, Moses is up with God, and God sees what's happening. God knows what's taking place. And you come to chapter 32 and verse number 7. Notice what God says to Moses. And by the way, God, God, God knew their hearts. God knew what, what's going on. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. God says, Hey, Moses, you need to go down because your people... That you brought up out of Egypt. And then then you come to chapter 33 in our text. And you look at verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt. Boy, I I read that and I thought to myself, why would God say that? I mean, these are God's people. But but Moses is saying, or God's saying to Moses, Moses, you need to go get your people that you brought up out of the land of Egypt. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I have four boys. And on the very, very rare occasion... That one of my boys might would ever do anything foolish. And I mean, it's probably a very rare occasion. Okay, maybe not such a rare occasion. But on the, on the occasion when my boy would, boys would do something foolish, I would look at my wife and I would say this. That's your child. That's your son. I think maybe God's saying that to Moses right now because the children of Israel are being very foolish. And he said, that's your people, Moses. But, of course, Moses would remind the Lord in verse number 13, at the end of the verse there, he would say, oh, consider that this nation is thy people. By the way, God, these are your people. And these are God's chosen people. But I'll tell you, what they've done is displeased God. The sin, the, the sin that they've committed uh, has displeased God to the point that, that you go and you read it and God is ready to destroy the entire nation of Israel and start all over with Moses. And Moses says, God, remember your covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And God says, okay, Moses, I won't destroy them. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do what I said. And we come to our text in chapter 33. And the Lord said unto Moses, depart and go up hence thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto a land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying unto thy seed, will I give it. Verse 2, and I will send an angel before thee. And I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the, uh, and the Hivite and the Jebusite unto a land flowing with milk and honey. God says, here's what I'm going to do, Moses. Not only will I not destroy this people, not only, not only will I take them in, in, into the land uh, or, or allow them to go into the land that, that, that I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but here's what else I'm going to do. I'm going to send my angel to go before you. 
Now that sounds pretty good on the outside. That sounds pretty good. The angel of God, I mean, imagine the angel of God going before you. Uh, anything God says to do, the angel of God will take care of it. Um, the angel of God, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of power to have, have on your side. But, 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 but you would think with all this that that would make them happy. God's sparing their lives. God's gonna take them into the land of promise. God's gonna send his angel. But notice what it says in verse four. And when the people heard these evil tidings, they mourned. When they heard these evil tidings, they mourned. The word mourned there uh, it means this, to grieve, to be sorrowful, to bewail or lament. I've been to funerals of those who are saved and those who are lost. And probably many of you have, have been to the same. You go to the funeral of someone who's saved, and I'll tell you, it's a sad time. I mean, I mean, you, you, you know, you know, man, they, we, we love this person, and 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 and, and I, I'm not trying trying to make light of it in any way, but but even though as sad as it is, I'll tell you, uh, as a child of God, and and knowing that they're a child of God, it's 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 as sad as it is. There's this hope. There's something that says I'm going to see him again one day because they serve the same God that I serve. God is their father, and God is my father. And one of these days. When I die and I go to heaven, I'm going to get to see them again. And so, yes, it's sad, but there's this hope. But then you go to the funeral of someone who's lost. I'm telling you, people begin to wail. People mourn and cry, and they act as if there is no hope. Can I tell you something, friend? Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. They have no hope. And, and, and as I read this and I see that the children of Israel, the Bible says in verse number 4 that they mourned. I get the idea of them wailing and crying and going on as, as people that have no hope. Why? Because uh, as I read this, I thought, boy, what, what could be the problem? God's going to go ahead and take them into the land of promise. He's not going to kill them off. Uh, he's going to send his angel. What's the problem? Notice in verse number 3. God said, I'm going to send, him, uh, send my angel before you, verse 2, to take care of all your enemies, all the ites there, under a land flowing with milk and honey. But notice what he says in the middle of verse 3. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. God said, I'm not going with you. When I read that, I thought, boy, what a sad statement. That's got to be one of the saddest things I've ever read in the Word of God. That God would say, you know what? I'm not going to go with you. Tonight, very, very briefly, I want to preach this message that I've titled this, The Need for God's Presence. Friend, let me tell you something. If there's something that we need more today than ever before, we need the presence of God in our lives. And the children of Israel, they understood this. They wail and they mourn and they, they're grieving. Why? Because they understood this. We well, Listen, we'd be better off to lay down and just die here in the wilderness than to go into the land of promise that God has promised us without the presence of God. Friend, let me tell you something. You need the presence of God in your life. You're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. There's never been a time when you've repented of your sins and asked God to save you. Listen, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, we're all born sinners. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Well, listen, we're all born into this world going this one road, this one way. It's, it's a broad way. Everyone seems to be going this way. There seem to be many trails and many paths, many roads that lead to this one way. But the Bible says that the end thereof is the way of death. Jesus said in Luke chapter number 3, verse 5, except you repent. The word repent is an old English word. It means to stop, to turn. It's, it's what, what, what we would use the word today. We would say about face. Uh, many times they would be marching in the, in the army and they'd be going this direction and the commander would say, repent! And they would stop 
and they would turn and they would go the other way. That's what it means to repent. When, hey, by, by the way, repentance is still part of salvation. Uh, you must repent, Jesus said. Uh, that means you've got to stop going your way, this broad way, and you've got to turn and you've got to go this other way. Let me tell you about the other way. It's a narrow way. There's only one way. There's not many ways. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's a narrow way. It's only one way, but it's a way that leads to life eternal. It's the way of salvation. It's the way that God made when He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. You're here tonight and you don't have the presence of God in your life. Let me tell you something more than anything else. Spiritually speaking, you need God in your life. You can be saved today. God made it made it way so that all men who would believe on Him could be saved. The Philippian jailers asked Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said this. They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you can be. But child of God, let me say this to you. Uh, more than anything else in today's society, more than anything else, what we need is we need the presence of God. Uh, Open Door Bible Baptist Church, if you're going to be what God wants you to be, if, 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 if you're going to continue to be the lighthouse here in Queens and surrounding area in, in, in New York that God wants you to be, if, if you're going to continue to, 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 to uh, be the mission-minded church that God wants you to be, what you need more than anything else is you need the presence of God in your life. Children of Israel realize we need God's presence. We need God to, to, to be with us. And Moses goes to God and he says, God, he said, here's what we need. God, it's not enough for you to send your angel. It's not enough. Listen, uh, we appreciate, God, that, that, that you'd want to do that. But let me tell you something. Uh, the angel of God is no substitute for the very presence of God himself. And so Moses said, God, that's not going to work. We're going to need your presence. We need the presence of God in our life. Boy, you, you, you look around, and I'm not, I'm not going to try and get, get political or anything tonight, but, 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 but you, you look at our nation. Let me say this. America today is not the same America that I left almost six years ago when I went to Australia. It's not the same America. Uh, the things that are going on and the things that are, that are taking place, boy, I, I look at it and I say, my goodness, uh, hey, this is not the same America that our children are being raised up in, that we were raised up in. Uh, this is a different America. And, and, and we look around and we see... See the wickedness. Can I tell you what, what you, we say, boy, what, you, you know what America needs? America needs this. America needs... No, here. America needs God's people to have the presence of God in their life. That's what America needs. And listen, uh, I, 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 I love America. Uh, this is... Hey, this is my home. Uh, I, I know that my family and I were dual citizens. And, and, and we, we love Australia too. God's given us a love for those people. But, but, but I'll tell you this. Uh, uh, America, people say, oh, you know, we, we want God to bless America... America doesn't deserve the blessings of God. Any blessings that God gives to America is because He's such a good God, and I'm thankful for that. But I'll tell you what, what, what America does need uh, is, that, that, is that it needs God's people who have God's presence in their life. And let me say this, that will make a difference in our nation. That will make a difference in our own lives if we have the presence of God in our life. The children of Israel say, God, we need your presence. And Moses goes before God and he talks to him. And notice what God says to Moses in verse 14, and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. God says, okay, Moses, my presence will go with thee. Now, that sounds good. Hey, by, by, by the way, that's a pretty promising verse. My presence will go with thee. Uh, what a great promise that God will go with them. But, but, but notice it says here, my presence will go with thee. That's singular. God's saying, Moses, I'm going to go with you. Moses said, that's not going to work, God. Notice in verse 15. Moses responds to God and he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us, 
not up hence. You know what Moses says here? God, listen, I, I mean, more than anything else, Moses needs the presence of God. But Moses said, God, it's not enough that I have your presence. We all need your presence. The entire children of Israel, the entire nation of Israel, we all need your presence. Hey, can I tell you something? Uh, pastor Montoro, I, 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 I know your pastor, and I know he's a man of God, and I know he preaches the Word of God uh, without apology, and I know uh, he preaches the doctrines of the Word of God, and I'm thankful for that. And, and let me say this, and, and all would agree, uh, as the pastor, as the leader of this church, he needs to have the presence of God in his life. He needs to spend time with God. But can I tell you something? Open Door Bible Baptist Church, it's not enough that just your pastor has the presence of God. It's not enough that just the leader has the presence of God. We all need the presence of God. Each and every, each and every member of this church, you need the presence of God in your life. And the way we get the presence of God in our life is we spend time with God. We get into God's Word. And we spend time in prayer and talking with God and letting God do something for us. Hey, listen, the idea that, well... You know, uh, we go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and then we come on Thursday for the midweek service, and that's good enough. Uh, that, that, that'll take care of us. Can I tell you something? You wouldn't eat physical meals like that, would you? You wouldn't get up on Sunday morning and go, oh, I'm going to have breakfast. And man, Sunday morning, we're eating breakfast and, 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 then, and then not eat anything until Sunday night. And then you go, boy, let's have a, a Sunday evening meal, and you, and you eat a big dinner. And then you go to bed, and you wake up, and you go, it's Monday. We're not eating today. You get up on Tuesday, it's Tuesday, we're not eating today. It's, it's Wednesday, we're not eating today. It's Thursday, we'll, we won't eat until this evening. And then you eat an evening meal on Thursday, and you go, it's Friday, we're not eating today. No, we wouldn't eat like that, would we? Then why do we think if we wouldn't eat like that physically, why do we think we need to eat like that spiritually? No, let me tell you something. We need the presence of God in our life, and, and, and we need to get in the Word of God on a daily basis and let God speak to our hearts and let God do something in our lives. Hey, listen, my, I grew up I grew up in a home. My dad got up at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, you, you say, man, your dad must have had to be at work really early. No, he didn't have to be at work until 7, but he got, us out, he got up at 4.30 every morning, and by 5, he'd get up, get showered, get ready for work. He was a, a bricklayer, a, a, a brick Mason and, and he'd get ready for work and by five o'clock every morning my dad would be sitting there and even today at five o'clock in the morning my dad's sitting there at his spot he's retired but still does the same schedule sits at his his place at, at the table and he opens the word of God and he's reading it and he's studying it you know what he's doing he's feeding himself he's trying to get the presence of God in his life you know why because at, at, at six o'clock in the morning he's going to come knock on all of our bedroom doors He's going to say, kids, you need to get up. You need to get up for family devotions and we'll all get up. And and my my dad would feed himself so that he could take and feed his family. Why? Because he understood, you know what our family needs more than anything else? Is we need the presence of God in our life. Can I say this? Uh, Our churches will only be as strong as our families that are in it. And if we as God's people would get a hold of this and we would get the presence of God in our life, I'm telling you, our churches can go on and do more for God than we've ever done before. But, 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 But what we need is we need God's presence. So Moses said, God, here's what we need. We need your presence. Why, Moses? Look at verse 16. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Moses said, God... How's the world going to know that we're your people? What is it that sets Open Door Bible Baptist Church apart from everyone else? From, from, from all these other so-called churches and denominations? What is it that makes us different? What, 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 what is it that makes this church different? What, what is it that makes us as believers, a uh, child, child of God, different from the rest of the world? Is it not? Moses said, what's going to make children of Israel different? What is, it, is it not in that we have the presence of God in our life? 
Now, Peter and John, in, 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 uh, in, in Acts chapter number 4, they had gone uh, and, 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 and were, were being reprimanded for preaching the name of Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, after they had reprimanded them, they looked at them and they thought, you know, they're not real smart. Uh, they, they, they looked at them as being unlearned and ignorant men. You know, well, they don't know the law like we do. But the Bible says this, they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. There was something about them. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what it was. They had the presence of God in their life. And I'm not trying to preach a lifestyle evangelism. Understand that, 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 that we need to be preaching the gospel. I, I believe that with all my heart. But can I tell you something? It's one thing to preach the gospel, and it's another thing to preach the gospel and live what, that you believe what you preach. And we need God's people who, hey, by, by the way, if you've got the presence of God in your life, the world's going to take notice of it. Uh, you, 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 you don't have to worry about trying to reach them just by, by lifestyle evangelism because that's not what the Bible says. But I'll tell you, they'll listen to you when you preach and you say, hey, this is what the Word of God says. They'll go, man, I think he actually believes what he preaches. I, I, I think she actually believes what, what she says uh, because, because they've got the presence of God in their life. Moses said, God, here's what we need. We don't need your angel. We need you. We want your presence in our life. And God said this. Notice in verse 17, and we'll close. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. God said, okay, Moses. I'll be with you. I'll go with you. It's, it, uh, listen, I'm not just going to send my angel. I'll be present in your life. Hey, you want the presence of God in your life? You seek after God? Let me tell you something. God wants to be present in your life. God wants to be in your life. And God wants to do something in your life. God wants to do something in the lives of every member of this church. God wants to do something in this church. question is this. Do we want the presence of God? Very quickly, I'll tell this story and I'll close. I'll never forget. Almost six years ago now, my family and I stepped on an airplane, getting ready to leave to go over to Australia. You may think as a missionary, boy, you're really unspiritual when I tell you this, and maybe I am. But I'll never forget stepping on that airplane. And as I was stepping on to myself, I'm praying, I'm saying, God, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want? You, you say, well, that's not real spiritual. No, no, listen, I, I knew that's what God wanted. But I'm fixing to take my family to the other side of the world. And I said this, God, we don't want to go unless you go with us. Can I tell you something? I don't want to go back to Australia unless God goes with us. I want the presence of God in my life. I want the presence of God in my family's life. Hey, I want the presence of God with us wherever we go. And as we go back to Australia, Lord willing, the beginning of January, I want God to go with us. Do you want God's presence in your life? Let's stand tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed. The children of Israel come to a place where, listen, they've sinned against God. God spared their lives, but now they say, God, here's what we want. We want your presence. Do you want God's presence in your life tonight? You can have it. Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, I don't know anyone's heart. Maybe there's someone here tonight that they just need to come and take, take, take this preacher by the hand and, and say, I, I don't have God's presence in my life, spiritually speaking, when it comes to salvation. Lord, maybe they just need to come and ask this preacher and we can, we can take, take and show them from the Word of God, a man with a man, a woman with a woman, how they can be saved. Maybe there's someone here tonight, Lord, you've been working in their heart and, 
and, and they know that, that their spiritual life isn't what it needs to be. Their family life isn't what it needs to be. And they look back and they say, you know what? Here's what, here's what, what I need. I need to get the presence of God back in my life. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a child of God, understanding we, not, not, not that we lose our salvation, not in that aspect, but just understanding that, that, that we need God. God, sometimes we need you, as the psalmist said, to restore unto us the joy of our salvation. And Lord, when we get away from you, God, what, we're, we're, it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to serve you and, and to, to do what we're supposed to do if, if you're not there. And so, God, I pray, whatever the need is here tonight, that you might speak to our hearts. Get honor and glory through the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask the piano to begin to play as your pastor begins to come. If God's spoken in your heart, you can kneel right there at your seat and come to this altar. But let me tell you, if God's spoken in your heart, do business with God tonight. My prayer would be that each and every person would say, you know what? I want God's presence in my life. I want God to be real in my life. Maybe you're here and you need to be saved. Trust Him tonight. He'll save you.